goal chance for Conor McGrath. Bernie will surely give it in, Conor. What a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackie chance. still going. Goal is up for Caps. Oh, what a goal! Any can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. Will stick in your mind at the champions who showed car. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. It's a small change before the game, worth the street. <laughs> been a bit of looks, I know. I've done a wild effort on goal. It's on the score! It's on the score! Equalizer! Incredible! Oh, the coppers! Hello everybody, welcome to the GAA podcast. I'm Nathan Murphy, Dave McIntyre to my left. Good afternoon. Adrian Barry, good afternoon to you. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening. I am really looking forward to this weekend. Because I'm not working. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to the sauce, aren't you? You're on a stag. People of Cork, beware. Did you see him fishing around on Twitter the other night for a free meal down in Cork? He got it sorted. Go on, you must have given them a big up now hey, as well. Hey, everybody in Sober Lane, we're coming in to see you tomorrow night. My favourite pub in Cork. I've, I don't actually think I've ever been out in Cork before, which is... I'm not going to judge. What? I don't think I've ever been out in Cork. Really? I can't remember. I certainly can't remember ever being out down there. I don't know any of the bars which or anything. Which doesn't necessarily mean you weren't out there, of course. Well, there is that mm. uh, part of it, yeah. So I get to avoid both of you for the entire weekend. Well, I you would can always say tune in to... <laughs> lock up your daughters, <laughs> but uh, he's a married man with children and he's a good boy, so I'd say he's just going to savour the ales and the f- cuisine of the That's local it, and, hostelries. Uh, well... And also probably be asleep by 12 o'clock, <laughs> yeah. as is my general uh, pattern when I go out <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So uh, e-boys though, are going to be working and we got a, quite a weekend, as always, mm. on Off the Ball. Tomorrow, uh, we got the football qualifier, Ross Common against Armagh, Billy Joe Padden, Shane Kern, Brian McGuigan alongside Ushin on commentary. That throws in at five. And then on Sunday, the Ulster football final. Donegal against Tyrone. Dave, you're going to be there. Donegal against Monaghan, even. Donegal against Monaghan. <laughs> Rub that out. Donegal against Monaghan. I love the level of research here, like a scribbled note. <laughs> Donegal against Monaghan. Uh, Lee McHale and Tony Boyle and Woolley up there as well. So it's a. Uh, it's something to look forward to. First and foremost, before we get to that. It's pretty clear from this podcast that I am the brains of the operation. <laughs> he says, having yeah. scratched that, out the wrong team that, for a major the provincial final. Mistake. And Adrian Barry is the ranter, but I made a very good point last week about Galway Sport. How essentially it's going nowhere. And Adrian yeah. Barry corrected me. But well, then, but then, yeah, listen, so listen to this. Listen to this. First is what I said last week. Second is one of Galway's leading sports people essentially agreeing with me. Galway's not a great sporting town I lived there for I worked in Galway FM Sport for four years it's a well, it's a cultural yeah, you're, no, town you're, you're right in fairness it's, it's not a great sporting town you know it's only got the sports ground Tyland Park the um, <laughs> so, uh, every, Salt Hill Pierce yeah, Stadium the cathedrals of Irish sport yeah, yeah. but Pierce Stadium is not the home of Galway football. Toome is the home yeah, of Galway football. Greyhound they cannot track, get it. The, ra- the races. Wow, there's a Greyhound track in Harold's Cross. Like. And we do compete with a lot of other sports in Galway, uh, you know, with rugby and, you know, hurling as well. So uh, it's difficult to keep to keep guys going. Yeah, essentially he's agreeing with How you. How is he agreeing with you? He's saying we. He's we, saying that, like, he did you know, not nobody has all. any real interest in anything. He didn't mention the Greyhound Stadium that no, they have to contend he, with he, that. He did give me the luck that said. You know, you know we're both talking about the Greyhound uh, track here and Ballybrit as well. I think he was pretty much saying we're competing with a lot of sports, which I would have took to meant... Finney and Hanley, by the way, the Finney Galway fullback, yes. um, took to meant that 
There are a lot of sports played in Galway. How have I managed to misconstrue that? Well, I'm just saying they don't play any of them particularly well. Except Not the, the, so- except the soccer team are, are doing quite well. Going for promotion no, sorry, you said Galway is not a particularly great sporting town. Was yeah. that, was that, sorry, I, I know we've only played it there a minute ago, but I'm pretty sure that was... Well, we can't is, play it again. It's gone now forever. <laughs> which, which is, I, I took it the fact that, that great sporting and town was is, agreeing with me and disagreeing with you. Yeah, I don't know how you've managed to do that. I think, again, any reasonable listener will probably say that you're talking through your... Well, Finian Hanley's referring to the county at, at large there. He's not talking about the Galway city yeah. as a sporting city or otherwise. But I mean... Stop Galway- bringing clarity to the conversation, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was my role. There's absolutely no call for that <laughs> <Really>? around here. <laughs> I'll let you add it, led. Uh, also, looking back on last week, our predictions, 6 out of 10 for me. Seven out of ten for Adrian. Yes. Seven out of ten for oh, Dave. Well done, Dave. He thought he had us. I don't well think done. I've had a single outright win all summer. No. Even uh, like yeah, despite some of your mad predictions at times. Which... Do you know what cost you, Dave? You went for Carlo to be Claire. I'm happy for that to have cost me the victory at Division Four tie between two pretty dele- dele- developmental teams. <laughs> they all count for the same. There was they some other results last weekend as well. What else? What? We all actually know, Adrian, you were the only one to go for Roscommon to beat Calvin. I doubt yeah. too many people Dave, went for Tip to beat Leicester. Yeah. Dave, you were the only one to go for Wexford to beat Clare. Oh, oh, nice. I'm happy with that one. Uh, That's a good one yeah. because you got the yeah. full value of extra yeah, time and all that, yeah, did, yeah. Jamie. And uh, we all essentially went for the rest of them. We all predicted Armagh, our Tyrone would beat Armagh, so we all got that one wrong. Right. Uh, but aside from that, pretty much perfect. Mm. So you should Armagh, really go with our uh, betting you would lose a lot of money over the course of the summer if you were to listen to us. Armagh are still knocking around, it would seem. Despite it is. the fact that a week ago I said I'd have an, had enough of them. Well, they, they, they don't seem to care about your personal <laughs> no, opinion of being Armagh. Although they, it does appear that they've actually started talking to people again. I've read some quotes with Paul Grimley today. Well, I don't know where, where the they were delivered was to. It, was from it no Armagh. comment? No. <laughs> well, they didn't um, talk to anybody after the Tyrone game either. Well, maybe you're just not a very good journalist. Maybe there's better journalists out there. Maybe if you spend less time talking to the papers yourself and actually going getting the interviews after the matches, maybe we'd hear from these Armagh players. Well, I was only at one of those Armagh games, so that... I, mean, I wasn't sure. Who, who are you talking Are you talking to Dave there? Who, who are you talking, talking to? You were looking at me. I was like, wait. I mean, I was about to agree with you that I think it's fair enough, you know, I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with any of this. Why are you ranting at me? So anyways, tomorrow, our first game is Roscommon against Armagh. Dave was just telling me beforehand that this is a time for old school TV radio. Turn down the TV turn up the radio yeah yeah. That's if ever there was a game <laughs> the, this is the one because that is Des, like he said it on this podcast <laughs> numerous times before yeah. just turn that t- bullshit TV down oh god I'm just going to remain quiet here until we move on to the actual game He's the, 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 the employment by Sky has really caused him a lot of awkward moments in the podcast over the last little while hasn't it, it? Has. He's well, kind of, I'd say he's really Sky it. are getting good value out of him on this podcast because they get about five mentions every single I week I think you'll find that none of them are for, ever from me are <laughs> <laughs> ever that favourable <laughs> so I was uh, I made the long trip up to Cavan uh, last Saturday for with what without doubt was the worst first half of football I have ever seen was it 3-2 at halftime 3-2 at halftime the conditions were pretty miserable but there were 13 wides in the first half and 5 scores after 17 minutes it was scoreless 3-2 at halftime that must be a first and the first point Roscommon's first point was a free from about 20-25 metres out (laughs) left footed and even then it scraped over the bar by about two inches. I'll tell you what's to blame for all this. The black card. I mean, you know, it's people banging on about all these free-flowing games the black card has brought us. It's the ruination of football it is. 
How's that? Adrian, it's only one thing I can say to that. <laughs> you you want to do a bit of research, I think, a small bit. <laughs> Good man, John. Um, no, I'm being sarcastic. I'm assuming that's John Owens Evans. John Evans, yeah. yeah. Don't know who he was talking <laughs> to. Was I think we've all got a, who was? Yeah, you just mentioned yourself that you were in Cavan last weekend. <laughs> yeah. And anybody who's been listening to off the ball over the last few days will see that the once very strong relationship between News Talk and specifically Nathan Murphy and the Roscommon manager, specifically John Evans, has uh, hit rocky ground. It has. After them winning a match by 11 points, I still managed to piss them off, which is quite an achievement. <laughs> and, you, and, and, and not only that, sorry, not only that, not only did you manage to piss them off, at every hand's turn, you were trying to write the relationship. Every question, you were trying to say, no, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm actually, you know, saying that you've done all right here. And everyone he took as a slight. Yeah, it was one of those. I'm like, no, 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 we can still make this work. We can st- <laughs> It's over. It's finished. I'm done with you. Well, John was one of the nicest men in the GA, so you did very well, very well to piss him off. <laughs> oh, who's going to be down there interviewing him tomorrow and is now making sure he's in his good books? Myself and John go way back, back when he was the tip manager in my old beat days. So you can... Do your utmost to try and destroy any previous connections with John. Well, it I seems did, like you're doing I, a very good I, job at I, the I, moment. I did when I was leaving. I was like, John, 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 you're taking me up the wrong way. You know, <laughs> we, we were together when we were in beat, John. Remember, Dave McIntyre, Dave McIntyre, you know me, you know me. He's like, geez, you've let yourself go, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> oh. Jesus, Dave, the years have not been kind. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to Roscommon, our man. Roscommon were very good in the second half, though. I must give them credit for that. <laughs> Their under-21 players came in and did very well. If only they had played in the Connacht final, maybe they would have won that. <laughs> did both of them, uh, Dermot Murta and Enda Smith, both come off the bench? No, they both started. Both started, right. Um, and Murta kicked five points, Smith kicked four points. It was, as I said to John Evans, it was almost the case that the Roscom players couldn't believe their luck in the first half. The Cavan were so defensive and so bad that they... They were there passing it around too much when in the second half they came straight out. I think they scored the first eight or nine points of the second half and just went a bit more direct, took their chances. And I think they're going to beat Armagh. Well, you see, everything you've just said leads one to the conclusion that Armagh are going to beat Roscommon because essentially Roscommon had an inability to, an inability to put away a very uh, average at best Cavan team who, as we all know, struggled past... Uh, a pretty shocking Westmeath team themselves so I don't think there's any indication uh, that they might beat Armagh funnily enough five years uh, it's five years since Roscommon played a qualifier against a county not from Ulster wait 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 I've something very special for this too that's a good one Adrian Adrian Barry's stat attack stats to make your head explode <laughs> five years five years since yeah I really if you had told me that was coming I could have come up with something better than this one five years though uh, since Roscommon played a qualifier against a county not from Ulster and most of those were against Tyrone so um, it's pretty shit luck you would have to say from Roscommon point of view um, to have drawn Armagh and well they've know. beaten Armagh in their last time their last time they met was a qualifier and they beat Armagh they ran that was, when, close when was that? in both of their games against Rome 2012 they're not all defeats I'm going to have to make another jingle now saying Dave McIntyre proving Adrian Barry wrong on a weekly basis well it's, you're not proving me wrong necessarily he's just adding cool. a little bit more colour to the uh, to the point as yeah well, it's not suggest. it's uh, it would be poor fortune if they were coming up against, say, the really big hitters in Ulster. I suppose Tyrone have been over the last five or six years. But they were beaten in both those Tyrone games and they were actually very close. I I was at the Tyrone game last year. Mm. I was obviously at the Mayo game this year. I saw them play Cavan in the league final as well. 
and they could and should have beaten Mayo in the Connacht semi-final I just don't think they believed in themselves enough and maybe John Evans he he kept the 21s on the bench that day and our commentary team that day were had differing opinions as to whether it was wise or not and he just got the balance slightly wrong in my opinion because Dermot Murch in particular came off the bench and he nearly kicked Ross Common to victory and it would have made John Evans look like an absolute genius had he done so keeping in reserve for as long as he did I just think he needed another 5 or 10 minutes on the pitch Dermot Murch and that might actually have been the difference but it's a tough one to call I mean they're going in opposite directions in, in the Allianz Football League Armagh have gone down to Division 3 Ross Common is sort of passing them on the way up as they go from 3 to 2 and because it's at the hide, it's a really difficult game to call. Favouritism probably should be with Armagh because they were excellent in the first game against Monaghan, minus those uh, four guys who were suspended. And then they've gone to Tyrone, Healy Park, and doesn't matter what sort of a transitional phase Tyrone are in, to go there and knock them out of the All-Ireland Championship in a qualifier is a huge achievement. Mm. They need a huge amount of credit for it. I know I've been very critical of them for their off-field situation over the last couple, month or so but at the same time you have to hand it to Grimley and McGinney because they've taken Armagh from a really desperate spot It actually seems as if the policy the let's not talk to anybody policy kind of paid off a little bit because yeah, well, it looks like it's working Yeah, they were yeah. beaten in the Ulster prelims by Cavan last year they hockeyed Wicklow and Antrim before they eventually lost out to Galway and like in that context Armagh's season already has been a tremendous success and actually coincides they were relegated fair enough from was it Division 2 of the league but yeah. The the you know after the league they decided you know so Kieran McGinley is in and so this new policy of let's not talk to anybody and all of a sudden once they introduce that things start to come right so I'm not saying it's a direct result of them not speaking to anybody but it's obviously created an atmosphere within the camp that this sort of siege mentality uh, nonsense but look whatever works yeah because when this started originally we sort of presumed that a lot of the players in the Armagh camp wouldn't be particularly happy about this and Aaron Kernan was dropped for a game who would be a senior and influential player not just within the squad but within Armagh GAA yes and (laughs) he's still banging that drum yeah we I I presume this would be a negative for Armagh but if anything the results show it's not yeah and the manner in which they attacked the Cavan and Tyrone games if that's the the right word to use it looks like it's paying off I mean they've ruffled serious feathers Cavan lost their talismanic attacker the guy who kicked more points than anyone last year before the game even started Kieran McKeever went in and threw his considerable bulk around the place in the um, scuffle before the Tyrone game and Tyrone never really got going their best player this season um, Matty Donnelly picked up a yellow card which led to his red card later in the game whatever they're doing it's working we made this point uh, on off the ball during the week that German Murta should probably be a little bit worried ahead of this game yeah I think they should waste one of their substitutions Roscommon on German Murta keep him on the bench until 10 until minutes until the scrap in. is over exactly and mm. then just bring him on afterwards but look Roscommon surely Armagh aren't going to get away with that again though I mean they can't surely like this pretty open policy well they didn't get away with it the last wiring time wiring into teams the first time they didn't get away with it yeah. I mean, they lost four of the most experienced players or certainly three of them Toner, Donahue and Mallon three of the most experienced players in that squad mm. so they didn't get away with that and the fact they didn't get away with it is the reason why they haven't spoken to the media since then but uh, against Tyrone look it's Tyrone it's Mickey Hart's Toronto. I don't think we should be showing any undue sympathy towards them in terms of the physical stakes because they've laid down markers many times over the years. They didn't score for over 20 minutes that game against Ramah the last day, which is a credit. I know McKeever has come in for a little bit of stick on off the ball this week, but... Uh, it's a Ramah didn't score for 
the last 17 minutes. There were no scores for the last 17 minutes. Mm, right. well, the game suited our classic. It's going to be like Roscommon were very defensive against Mayo and in, I think they're going to take it to the field in a similar way this time around. Armagh will as well. I'm not expecting a goal and points fest. I'm expecting a tight, interesting game though. Um, I did mention the fact that uh, Paul Grimley is back speaking to everybody again and it's to everyone's relief because he's dropping a lot of insight. I'm sure John Evans will have been reading his quotes uh, this week. Um, Paul Grimley has said, Hyde Park is never an easy venue to go to. He concedes, says this article. It's a great concession. Um, Not too many teams relish playing there and after the manner in which they overcame Cavan last weekend, the Ross Common team can justifiably expect that their fans will be out in force to see them play against us. Well, there'll be a big crowd out out in the hide now tomorrow evening. I'll tell you, they've not knelt for doing down in Ross Common except. Well, it's not a sporting town anyway. Let's face it. I mean, apart from the Mart, sporting town. Apart from the Mart, there, you know. What what else? What else? Yeah, they've got the Hyde Park. Oh, the race. The races. There's the races. Yeah, the the race course. Yeah. Yeah. The Mart is a bit of a bit of sport going on there. Main Street, super value there. I usually just kind of go straight. Would you go around it? Yeah. Another county that Nathan Murphy has insulted. Yeah. Well, he's ticking them Roscommon off. They're, they're generally all. County. I'm, only yeah. like, I'm only two miles from. They're all the counties border. that he's that he borders. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think a huge amount of people I knew listened to this podcast, but I I'm going to be watching the match tomorrow with several Roscommon people, and quite a few of them text me during the week going, "Make sure now you tip our Matt to beat us on." Uh, yeah, on because Saturday, Grimley like you did with will Calvin most last week. certainly be uh, downloading the Friday GA podcast <laughs> on his way down to uh, the hide. <laughs> well, I'm going to do what your friend was looking for us to do, and I'm going to tip Arma. I think Jamie Clark will could be well be the difference in this game, and they've got a couple of their players who are having really good seasons. Kevin Dye is comfortably having his best season at centre half forward for Arma. Um, Finden, Aaron Finden in midfield is a real find. He's this, his first season. He's doing great things. And they've Andy Mallon back as well. He was suspended for the first Monaghan game. I think this is his 50th championship appearance. Huge experience. They're far more experienced lads than um, Ross Common do, and they should win the game. Well, you'd want to brush up on that stat before you say it on air tomorrow. Well, there's only one way of getting these stats together, and it's not foolproof. <laughs> he's every Friday. Oh, every a get out clause. Every oh, Friday yeah. afternoon, he's out there stacked with <laughs> about 10. Uh, of the previous championship books no no every Friday he's them. doing a game for Sky he is every Friday when he's not doing a game for Sky you don't see him until he's about two minutes before the, the office. Uh so you're going to go with the Armagh um, I think our, there's something uh, brewing in Armagh I have to say uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier on I think there's something pretty special on the brew there Grimley as well saying that because there's been all this suggestion over the last little while that uh, McGinney's going to come in next season Grimley's going to Grimley's going to step aside two years in and this is the next step in the thing So Grimley but, is Paul Lambert and McGinney is Roy Keane No but what he's Grimley is in fact saying this week is that absolutely forget about that notion this is a three year plan I've said all this to the management team I've said it to the players uh, we're building something here and by all accounts they are and they will beat Roscommon I'm not saying it's going to be handy but I don't expect their, I don't expect Roscommon to be in it uh, at the end Well I'm just going to try and get back in the good books with the Roscommon <laughs> folk and tip them to beat Armagh. I um, think they're a coming side. I think they've shown a lot of progression under John Evans. And if uh, the under-21s click again, I think maybe they'll just... I, I can't. I wouldn't be surprised if this was 3-2 at halftime as well. If the weather isn't particularly nice, if it was anything like uh, Breffney Park last Saturday, it mightn't be the highest scoring game. There you go, John. He's done enough pandering. Please yeah, forgive he's, him. He's Please forgive me, uh, John. So, word from Ulster is that Tyrone haven't reached the Ulster final. And what? it's going to be Donegal against Monaghan. On Sunday, as we said, we got live coverage. Lee McHale, Tony Boyle, Dave and Wooly will be up there for this four o'clock throw-in. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a second. But before that, as always on the podcast, we like to get a bit of tactical insight from ahead of the match. And this week on the line, I've got Niall McCoy from Gaelic Life. How's it going, Niall? Nathan, how you doing? This 
Ulster final, a repeat of last year, two sides built on a very, very solid defence. I'm actually struggling to remember a lot of last year's game because the one thing we just took out of it were the celebrations and what it meant for Monaghan. But they are two teams who haven't really veered from their game plan from 12 months ago. This is in all likelihood going to be a very defensive game. It is certainly, it is certainly, yes. Last year, obviously, the images of Manny Bill and the boys celebrating on the pitch, but the the two teams will be very similarly set after that match, and it'll be extremely defensive. What what If you look back and you look at the match, the game was probably won and lost in the first seven minutes. Uh, Monaghan actually chalked off four four scores in the first seven minutes of the match, and, and that really set the tone for the whole game. Um this year, maybe most of their they've kept a good few whites this year, and I think it's two thirds of them come in the first half of the game. So there would be a worry that they wouldn't be able just to repeat that fast start that they did have twelve months ago. And as Donegal are at this stage are well known, they're the, they're the kings of getting ahead and staying ahead. So that's something Malik O'Rourke will be looking at again to maybe try and repeat that blitz that they did get at the start last year. But it may prove more difficult this time with Jim McGuinness and the boys certainly ready for it. Yeah, uh, key when you have such a defensive setup is to have very good forwards and forwards who take their chances. And Conor McManus has had his injury problems, but he looks to be pretty much back to full fitness and he is playing exceptionally well. Whereas you look at Donegal and Michael Murphy and Colin McFadden, they don't seem to be at the level they were in 2012. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a fair enough assessment. Uh, the other thing about it, Nathan, is that there still does seem to be that reliance on McFadden and Murphy. Now, they actually have 10 goals between them this year, so they've been fine the net, all right. It's just they don't seem to be having the same impact that they have been having. But if you were to look at the stats, they still are the you know the chief providers of scores. Last year, the two of them accounted for 50% of the scores of the team. This year, it's actually risen to 53%. But the feeling is if either or both got injured or, or had a bad game, that, that Donegal would maybe be short of ideas because... You know, this year, in every match they played, Michael Murphy started and finished every match. Colin McFadden's come off in one of the matches he started. So they really are relying on these two lads. Uh, probably for the first time in the Jim McGuinness era, the Antrim semi-final, you know, Donegal had 3-16 that day, and 3-11 came from outside of Murphy and McFadden. And it was probably the first time since Jim has come in that, that the reliance hasn't been on them to, to get the, the bulk of the scores. Now, obviously, that's tapered by the fact that it was in the second half that match, Antrim had maybe thrown in the towel somewhat, but that's mm-hmm. maybe something that, that had had to be looked at. And the fact that you have men like Dara O'Connor, the 18-year-old, who's just a, an absolutely outstanding talent and, and a real one to watch this weekend, whether he starts or come off the bench, he's one to look out for. Like to him, Oren McNeilis has really stepped it up this year. And McGuinness, he knows that people know what style Donegal play. He knows who their key men are. So he'll be looking more from the likes of those fringe players, your Leo McLoon and boys like that, coming from half forward rather than Murphy and McFadden. Yeah. Uh, Carl Lacey, do we have any indication as to whether he'll start? Because he is such an important player in this Donegal system, the way he can carry the ball out and transfer defence to attack very quickly. Well, the, the indications are that Carl will actually start the match. Um, with everything this year, you can never be too sure. The Ulster mm-hmm. Championship has been dominated by late switches just before throwing, and, that, and that's been the order in nearly every match. I'd say with Martin Q being away from the panel this, uh, in the Championship, Carl, I don't think it can be argued. He's probably the most important to the system. You know, you could argue that yeah. Murphy's maybe their best player, but Lacey is just absolutely key. So 
if he if he is absent, then you're looking at maybe Frank McGlynn taking over his particular role. But the indications coming from Donegal are that Lacey will be okay to start and certainly play some part. If he doesn't, it'll be a tremendous blow because it's just he is just as you say, just so vital to how they play their game. Yeah, uh, they met in the league final as well, and Monaghan won that last year. There was a bit of a sense with Donegal that. They'd had a long winter celebrating that they'd put so much into 2012 that maybe it was just natural that there was going to be a bit of a dip. Now, they are back and they have looked impressive at times, but you get the sense with Monaghan that they're progressing so quickly that their base level now is probably probably even just above Donegal and that Monaghan are, are the favourites for this match. They are, they are, which is... Some change from 12 months ago where some boogies were given Monaghan at 9-1 you could have got them at. They've just, you know, they've had a, just a string of confident victories that's really added to Monaghan. Like, winning the title last year was obviously a big thing after losing the couple of Throne. Then even beating Throne in the Ulster Championship this year was another sort of weight off their shoulders, another tick in the box of things they had to achieve. The league final was actually very impressive because for all their victories over the last few years, that was one of the most impressive for themselves. I know Portugal only came back from from a training camp and maybe we were a bit sluggish, but uh, you're looking at the way Monaghan worked with their defence. They're very calm and composed, and they're coming up against, they're coming under pressure from the Donegal defenders and attackers, but they, they worked it up, and they always seem to take the right option there. It's maybe something that they didn't do against Armagh, particularly in the first mm-hmm. match where they were running in the tackles and getting turned over, especially by some of the Armagh defenders who wouldn't be noted for their tackling. So, Maybe it was because it was Donegal in the league final and they were that focused that they were able to do that and maybe they took their eye off the ball somewhat against uh, Armagh. But I'd expect that focus to be firmly back in place on, on Sonda Clonus and, you know, working the ball out cleverly. Desi Moan especially is the boy who probably plays a similar enough role to Carlacy in making the yards off the pitch with his speed. So as long as they keep the composure, they're definitely not going to be easy to shake off and it's going to be a very tight encounter. There were six points in it last year to Monaghan I expect it'd be much closer this time around Something we've spoken about on Off the Ball quite a bit when discussing Monaghan is their lack of goals and how it, they might be able to get through the Ulster Championship without scoring a lot of goals but if they do have any aspirations of winning in All-Ireland that maybe it is still a season too early to be thinking about that they need to start getting a few more goals is there something obviously they do play a defensive system but is there something in the way they play amongst their attackers that they just don't create a lot of goal opportunities? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair enough assessment. I was, I was just looking at the numbers there. Uh, if you take league and championship, Donegal are scoring 1.4 goals a game. Monaghan are sitting at 0.55. What you see, that's not going to win you. That's not even going to get you near the September showpiece. You know, Conor McManus's goal against Armada, that was his first ever championship goal, which I found quite astonishing for yeah. a guy that is so prolific. The, I think it was in the league, I think it was right through to the loud match before that he found the net. And they have the talent there, you know, uh, Darren Cuse plays quite sort of forward for his club at times, scores plenty of goals. Kieran Cuse scores regularly for his goal. Christopher McGuinness, who's had sort of a bit part this role, he's been scoring goals for fun for Bally Bay this year. So they have the ability to take the goals, but I think it's just their system, the way they're set up at the moment, that most of their shots are being taken by about 35 metres or 40 metres. And if you look at the breakdown of where their scores are coming from, compared to Donegal, their half forward are contributing so much more to Donegal. And I think they're just... Malky's probably playing the numbers, playing the numbers. He knows the defences in Ulster are generally packed and they have the boys that can shoot from distance. You know, Paul Finley there, who didn't start the first day against Armagh, but started the second day. Boys like that can score from 35, 40 yards and that's probably why it will be a low score. And, you know, I don't think Martin go out to create so many goal chances. I think they're happy just to keep the points ticking over the bar and 
you know, if a gold chance presents itself, try and take it. But it is an area that haven't exactly been prolific in, to say the least. Yeah, Niall, uh, listening to you, it sounds as though you're you're really looking forward to this one on Sunday. I am indeed. I am indeed. I know some people might be a fan of the whole defensive setup, but when when you get two teams that are really, really good at it, Tony Gall obviously have uh, perfected over the last couple of years and. Well, Joe Brady wrote a column for this week. He says, without self-belief, talent is irrelevant. And Monaghan are a team that in the past, looking at the 2012 semi-final against Down, where confidence was an issue, since then, since Malky's come in, confidence has not been an issue. The boys had the talent, now they're converting it into the results. And for me, it's a really intriguing battle. You've got two defences that are going to be very good at what to do. And it's a case of just margins, fine margins deciding this contest for me. Um, I do... I do fancy Donegal to sneak it. I just think they've got the we twinkle in the right back after the Mayo humiliation last year and I think they maybe just have the motivation to get over it. But Monaghan, of course, you know, I think they've won the last four or five championship matches between the sides and maybe that might count for something. But for me, I do fancy Jim McGuinness to, to pick up the third and fourth year, third also tight in four years. All right, very good. Uh, Niall McCoy there from Gaelic Life. Niall, thanks a lot for talking to us. Thank you. So Niall was making the point there about Monaghan's lack of goals and he's done his research, proper research, 0.55 goals per game, league and championship. It's pretty abysmal for a team that we think are in the top six in the country. Like, less than a goal goal a game, one goal every two games. It is poor, but the really important stat is the lack of goals conceded by Monaghan and that's why they're winning all of these games. And they did get a goal in the victory over Armand, the replay. They got a crucial goal for Durham alone in the win over Tyrone. But the goal that was scored by Armagh in the replay match was the first one they've conceded in Championship football since the All-Ireland qualifiers against Leash in 2012. So that's an astonishing statistic. If they continue to be so mean at the back... Their lack of goals up front probably doesn't really matter. They don't have a real goal scorer in their full forward line. Yeah, like I that Conor McManus goal. That was the first goal he's ever yeah, scored in Championship football. And he's been playing since 2007. So it gives you an indication that they, there isn't anywhere for the goals to come from, to be honest. The great point takers like McManus and Finlay and Kieran Hughes, I think, is a really good operator full forward. But they don't have you know some of the stars that Monon would have had of the 80s where they can really find the back of the net. I don't imagine that Malachi O'Rourke's overly worried by this to be honest because they're taking on a Donegal team that haven't been amongst the goals to a great extent either over the last two years so I'm not sure how how relevant a factor that will be in the game on Sunday Niall was making the point there was six points between them last year he expects it to be a whole lot tighter this mm. year do we go along with that? Do you want to take that? I have another point that I want to make but I would uh, go along with that yeah I think Manning caught Donegal cold a little um, Donegal seemed to throw all of their eggs in the Tyrone basket at the time we thought that was an amazing thing to do come back as All-Ireland champions the summer went on and maybe proved just a little too difficult for them and they lost some guys to injury and Lacey was hurt and uh, McHugh wasn't fit and he's gone now of course and Gallagher wasn't fit at times I think they were a fully fit team coming into this and they know exactly what Monaghan are all about they played in the league final as well at the Division 2 league final at Croke Park they're two teams that look incredibly evenly matched mm. this is like the old you know unstoppable juggernaut reaches the ir- ir- irresistible force you don't, it's very hard to figure out who's got the better players who's got the better team who's got the better spirit who's the better manager two of the best managers in the country and it's just going to be one of those real cauldron type days in Clonus. like I can't wait for Sunday it'll be amazing 
think uh, Malachi Rourke deserves discussion as well at some point. Actually, it was funny because I was thinking about it during the week about how I never hear him get much credit. And then I was listening to Off the Ball, uh, was it last night? And they were falling over each other yeah, too. Yeah, the Malachi uh, Rourke tribute hour. <laughs> yeah. And in fairness, he deserves it. I hadn't, I hadn't heard a lot of it up to that point, I have to say. But uh, I was reading some quotes from a uh, former manager, his PJ McGowan, who's also a former Donegal manager, oddly enough. And he spoke about um, when Malachi played for Manor being a smart, uh, free, uh, free-taking half forward as a player. And um, what a great success he was in that front. And he, he also made the point that he loved to talk about football and sort of learn a little bit about it. But followed it up by, well, I never thought he was going to be a manager. Right. But everything else he kind of said pointed towards it. But I think he does deserve uh, some discussion. The other thing that I think uh, deserves some discussion is about how uh, strong Ulster actually is anymore. Um, like neither of these two teams in the final at the weekend were Division 1 teams. You know, looking back to last season, Donegal, um, obviously what Mayo did to them. Uh, four Ulster teams made the quarters last year and there was only one still standing by the semis and none in the final. And I kind of wonder in some ways if there's been a shift away from Ulster. I mean, there are, we spoke about our man maybe coming, becoming a little bit of a force. Monaghan certainly in the conversation when it comes to the last couple of teams, but like the force of Ulster football, it doesn't feel like that anymore. Well, it's not. I mean, we haven't had an All-Ireland winner for, for six years from Ulster. Except for Donegal there two years ago. Mm. That's a very good point. We've had one All-Ireland <laughs> winner in the last six years from Ulster, but the real superpowers have been our man Tyrone and they're nothing like they were. Donegal aren't the team they were two years ago and there have been a lot of scalps taken by teams from the other three provinces against Ulster Championship sides over the last few years and you're right it's just not as strong as it was but look it is all cyclical ten years ago yeah. they were the Ulster was the outstanding province and it's just the way things move and they are still probably the standout championship games football wise of the summer they are they come from Ulster it is still Ulster. the best province it, to watch it is a, a championship structure discussion that the route you have to take in Ulster compared mm. to the route Mayo have to take mm. It's it's so much easier for Mayo, Cork, Kerry, Dublin. Yeah, but then there's stage. the idea, like, I mean, if you look at the Dublin Club Championship, for example, like the teams who win the Dublin Club Championship are always there, thereabouts, come uh, St. Patrick's Day. And so surely the same thing applies to a county. If you're if it takes so much to come through Ulster, for example, now there's no backdoor system, obviously, in the Club Championship, but if it takes so much to come through that and win it, it leaves you in a pretty good position when you do actually get there, as opposed to Mayo, who come through the other play, the, the you know beat Galway pretty comfortably the other day. Granted, Mayo was a little bit sort of tighter than that, but they're generally not playing the same sort of standard of teams. But I think we've seen twice in Ulster, or in the last two seasons, and both times we were playing Tyrone with Donegal and Monaghan, and we said it, they were so up for that first game against Tyrone. They put so much into winning that match that the next time they came out, that they didn't have that same level mm. of motivation. Whereas that doesn't really happen in any no, of the like other I, provinces. I'd agree with that. I disagree with you, Adrian, on that point because if you're looking to win an Ulster Championship, you have to hit. You have to be at your best in June. Whereas likes of Mayo, Dublin, Kerry, they don't have to be at their best until the first uh, the bank holiday weekend in August. Yeah, we did Noche on a Monday night and he, he said that, that this is one of the things that Mayo are doing slightly different, that they're trying to peak mm. that little bit later. Like if Donegal had put in the same mm. performance, the same intensity of performance against Mayo as they had against Tyrone, you wouldn't have seen anything close to the massacre that we did in that All-Ireland quarter-final. And they peaked two months too early and it's very uh, advantageous for the big teams coming into the Croke Park in August without having been, you want a little bit of a test, but without having been really put to the pin of your collar, three, four matches in six or eight weeks like you have to do to win an Ulster title. Because I think you saw it with Monaghan last year. I mean, they came through that real intense game. It was one of those all-encompassing matches against Donegal 
and they were so flat against Tyrone then in the All-Ireland quarter-final. Don't get them started. Doesn't uh, the same thing generally apply to the Dublin Club Championship though? You know, because like it's... Well, it's, it's, uh, it, they're still Dublin teams it's, though. It, but it it's can, Dublin. It, they're going to be strong. And regardless, they're going to have strong Yeah, but that's teams. the whole point. They're strong because of the level of competition well, that they're playing against. Well, you could say, argue like, that they're like strong because the they're thing. from Dublin. Because they've got all these are huge clubs with huge playing pools, um, a lot of finances, yeah, but, but the so, best managers. So, sorry, just when you talk about that peak aspect of things, right? So it's often and maybe not that entirely inaccurately said that it's tougher to win the Dublin Club Championship than it is to win the All Ireland. So it comes to a point where these teams obviously need to peak to win the Club Championship, and then it's quite frequently. I don't know, is it six weeks, two months before they're back into All-Ireland Club semi-finals and the All-Ireland Club final? So it's not as if there's a straight run from the end of the county championship straight into the All-Ireland series. Yeah, so, so they the can rules, peak... same rules not apply? Well, no, well, if because... If they go into the Leinster championship, they might, if they, depending on how the draw goes, they can work their way into it again. Sometimes they might be drawn against Port Leash in the first round and then you're straight back into another yeah. huge match. Or you can but be drawn against the Wicklow champions or the Carlow champions or the Westmead champions, for example, or the Gary Castle obviously been strong in recent years. Yeah. I don't think it's the same argument, to be honest. And more and more over the last few years on a Dublin dominance team, we're seeing that the Dublin sides are consistently getting to the latter stages of the club championship. That they are becoming so strong that the difficulties that, yeah, that you're talking about they might have had five, six years ago mm aren't really as much of a problem anymore. Yeah, well maybe it's just maybe that's just maybe more of a case at that point that the lev- the gap between the Dublin club teams and the other teams has become larger so while the same dynamic ultimately is at play at play in terms of the having to get up for games and then sort of bring it back to a level again it's just that the gap is probably bigger than it is between let's say whatever whoever wins on Sunday Monaghan and obviously it's a smaller gap between Monaghan and Mayo for example. There's they were talking Monaghan up as potential All-Ireland champions last night. Yeah, Devenny Brendan Devenny was going for it, yeah. I mean, I can't agree with that. They don't have enough top-class players to be pictured lifting the Sam Maguire in September. I just couldn't see it. I really couldn't. Like, I don't think they have enough players to trouble Dublin, beat Dublin, beat Mayo, But would you have said Kerry. the same about Donegal in, well, like 2011 yeah, more yes. specifically? I would have in 2012, certainly. Because they had McFadden at his peak, Murphy at his peak, McBrearty was playing mm. the best football, even though it was just his second season, but he was like a really good player. McHugh was outstanding, Lacey, the two McGees. I mean, they're top class players. Mm. I can't look upon this Monaghan team in the same um, way just yet. Now, if but they win big on Sunday and they, they hammer someone in an All-Ireland quarterfinal, then I'll be forced to look at, reappraise my, my uh, analysis of it. But, I, I mean, how many really top class players of Monaghan got that would get into any team in the country yeah, well I have the team here so you're talking about Johnny Gold there a lot of those players had their career peaks all at the same time yeah. under brilliant management from Jim McGuinness which is why they won the All-Ireland and Monaghan maybe have the players if it all just clicks this year you look at their full back line with the Wileys Colin Walsh an all-star then you got the exper- you got Desi Moan in there midfield you got Dick Clerken Paul Finlay Conor McManus Kieran Hughes if these guys ha- all manage to have the best season of their lives this season, then they could do a Donegal. Up front, I cannot see them scoring enough to win an All-Ireland Championship. Like, you really need guys who are going to be able to go out there and get 1-6 from play on the big days, like Brogan would for Dublin. I just don't see it happening. You swallow up Conor McManus, I think you've got a real problem. It's not as if they concede very many of us. I think they don't, no, they they don't. necessarily need like, a massive scoreline to beat teams. They don't really concede. They'll be hard bet, no question. Mm. I would agree with that. But putting up there as a contender to win the All-Ireland? For me at the moment, no. Yeah, and if they lose this game, there's a very good chance to be playing Dublin 
in an All-Ireland quarter-final. And nobody wants to see that happen from either Monaghan or Donegal point of view. I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, I know there's two defensive styles and it mightn't be the most high scoring. I just want to see how good Monaghan are mm. and if they can continue on the progression of the last year or so and if there is anything left in Donegal because who knows this time next week we might well be saying Donegal back. back. Yeah. I think Donegal are struggling in attack. Colin McFadden is a shadow of the man he was two years ago. I think he's only kicked three points in three yeah. games or two games and he was completely swallowed up by the McKeever, the Donegal, the Derry cornerback brilliantly um, taken out of the game pretty much and Paddy McBrady has not kicked on at all. He's not a better player now than he was two or three years ago. If anything, he's nothing like the player he was two or three years ago and it's all on Murphy yeah. and I just think they're going to struggle for that. Niall made a good point there that of the of, it's against Antrim so maybe we shouldn't read a huge amount into it. They scored 3-16 3.11 of it was... There's seven points apiece at half-time. 3.11 of it was from outside those three players. Well, so right, other yeah, guys so they did are step up. And that's a good thing as well. You are getting scores from elsewhere. But I do think those two broke lads in particular, Murphy and McFadden, need to catch fire if they're going to win another Ulster Championship and really go close to the Ireland. I've had a bad couple of weeks in the prediction stakes, so I'm going to go for a draw. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> Sitting on the fence right there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, I think Donegal have... Like, you know, you're saying about the idea that maybe on Sunday evening we say, oh, wow, Donegal are back. But in some ways they've gone back to what they were doing in 2011 and it wasn't particularly effective in the overall scheme of things there, obviously, until they tweaked it in 2012. Um, Monaghan haven't lost to... I read this somewhere as opposed to actually checking out that it's true. But Monaghan haven't lost to Donegal in Ulster apparently since 1983. Yeah. And they've only played them a couple of times in the Championship in Ulster since then. They've played yeah. five times since 1983 and Monaghan have won them all but at least two of those were in All-Ireland qualifiers. But yeah, they have, Devaney mentioned last night, they have the Indian sign over Donegal yeah. in terms of mm. championship football, but they haven't played since 2008, I think it is. But And a lot, obviously the players will be vastly different to what they were six years ago. But yeah, it's the one team in Ulster Donegal have real trouble with. First time in 21 years that there's been a repeat final in Ulster. Adrian Barry's Stat Attack. Stats to make your head explode. That was better, Adrian. It does. It does show that there's a, like an unbelievable competitiveness in uh, Ulster, where there hasn't been a repeat final in 21 years. It does actually. Uh, Wait, it is a not, symbol of something. Um, you've gone full circle. What was there not a problem with? Ulster He was talking about Ulster teams oh, when they get out of Ulster, right, right, right. as easy, opposed to the actual. Easy on, easy on. He thought he'd smelt a bit of blood. I, I've, I've obviously had spent a good bit of time working on this game during the week. That was not one stat I did come across. You can it's have being it, added. It's being yeah. added. You can have that. I would double check that. it. Double but check it first. But you won't be getting any credit for it. Let's just be clear about that. I'm talking to Adrian Barry from News Talks Off the Ball there during the week. Anyway, I'm going for Monaghan here. I think I don't think we're going to be having the discussion on Sunday evening about Donegal being back. I'm going to go for Donegal. Uh, Alright, so full coverage of that on Sunday afternoon. We'll also have full coverage of the Leinster football final. We'll live from Croke yeah. Park and we'll have studio analysis as well. Yeah, uh, Dublin against Meath. we got David Brady at Croke Park. <laughs> Colin Begley will be in studio. Um, could be an interesting post-match situation provided Dublin do win and they have won 28 of their last 29 games in Leinster. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? Stephen really Cluxton who could be going up to collect the trophy, he will be presented with it by his principal from St. Vincent CBS, who's John Horne, the Leinster chairman. I did not so know that So his boss. Either. Wow. Yeah, his I'm boss will to think, be giving what, it to him. When's the last time Dublin lost the Leinster final? Would it be 2000 against Kildare? 
Yeah, it would be, considering all three of the last semi-final to Leash. First round Westmead in 04, and 2010 they were beaten by Mead in the quarter-final. It was it 2001 who, who did Mead beat them in the Leinster final? It could have been 2001. It's either 2000 or 2001. They might have lost back-to-back finals, but that is a long time ago that Dublin haven't managed to get the job done in a provincial final. We try and avoid cliches on this podcast. Usually we can't avoid it, but... Well, when you're involved, it <laughs> tend to flow fairly readily. Some when of them are true, though. When we were listening to the Kildare-Mead match, I think we are talking, saying, you do get the sense, and it's just based on history, that if Kildare win this match, Dublin are going to hammer them in the final. Mm-hmm. But if Mead win it, you just don't know. There's just something there. Mead love playing Dublin. Well, do they love playing Dublin? Because whenever they play Dublin, outside of that game in 2010, they get beaten. Why? Why? Why do you say Mead love? Play? Is this tap into the idea that sure they've no fear of yeah, playing Dublin. Dublin? Is that what you're, are, are you? That is are you exactly. offering that? Me, they're hungrier when they turn up against Dublin. They like, have a bit of hunger there that maybe other teams are lacking. It is a cliche. I was reading uh, <laughs> a couple of previews earlier today. I don't know if you were looking at my Twitter feed. If that's I was looking at your Twitter feed, yes. Uh, but I was reading some previews earlier on today. Some of them, uh, most of it in the week leading up to this has been, ah, sure, me, they don't, they've no fear of Dublin. And anyway, I was reading another one earlier in relation to one of the, the hurling matches and such will have no fear of such. And uh, it's just a lot of nonsense why would a team why would the default setting of a team be to fear another one I mean and, and that's one aspect of it and then the other one is that actually like in, in some ways fear can be a brilliant thing because it can uh, drive you to play above yourself but it's just this ridiculous GEA cliche that it's, it's very difficult to put together an argument for me winning the game because you're only going on the evidence that you've seen this season. Dublin are comfortably the best team in Ireland at the moment. They've comfortably the best squad. Their bench is incredibly strong. It looks to me like they're the fittest team in the country at the moment as well because their last 20 minutes are better than what I've seen from on the other side. Mm. So why would you turn around then and say, you, you never know, Meath could win this game? Well, sure, because you have to make a case for it because you can't just say, like, well, I, I mean, from a Meath point of view. I can't see how they could what, beat well, Dublin what about, what about playing the leash game plan, only playing it better? I don't know if Meath have the capability of doing that, but certainly for... what's to be played 50, for 75 minutes. Yeah, this is my point. So Your full you get back 50 is minutes. coming in under a cloud. Kevin Riley, we don't know if he's 100% fit. Michael Newman didn't get to play in the last day, so he's not 100% fit. They've lost their best midfielder in Conor Gillespie. Shane O'Rourke is still just finding his feet again, although he's playing very well. Uh, they've lost Eamon Wallace, who was the quickest player in their attack. Mm. Andrew Tormey's done a good job since Wallace was gone. But at the same time, it's what, and you look to the mid bench, what are you going to see with 20, 25 minutes remaining in this game? So despite of all, all of our live coverage around this game this weekend, are we just saying that it's a game that's sort of 40... It's like ultimately we're only talking oh. about this game in the context of 40 or 45 minutes and so. that's it. Yeah, like, so. Are we saying that, like, no matter what happens at that point that this sort of Dublin blitz attack... No matter what well, the case is. It's not even just a blitz. They just suffocate you slowly but surely and they kick one point and then two in a row and then they kick four of the last five points and what was a three-point lead is suddenly a seven-point lead. And when it's Dublin, you know that that seven-point lead is set in stone, gone, game over, despite the fact that there's 20 minutes left. And a lot is made of the substitutes coming on and the devastation that they can cause over the last 15 minutes. But a large part of the reason for that is the work put in by the guys who've started yeah. the game who have just drained all the life out of the defenders with their movement. It's brilliant to watch Dublin when they're attacking. Now, they're mm. not taking all their chances. And I'm sure, like any manager will say, I'd be more worried if they weren't creating them. But I think it is a bit more of a worry for Dublin that they miss so many goal if opportunities. If a game arrives this summer where Dublin take their chances, it's going to be an oh. absolute massacre. They're kicking there will away be one. four goals and 10, 11 points per game. 
Yeah, Dublin, Dublin are going to score 525 in a game. It could easily happen. Um, what, you know, again from the Mees perspective here, Gordon Manning was on last night and he was talking about the, well he was making the point that everybody talks about the strength of the Dublin bench and actually in some ways it's very heavily weighted towards strength in the forwards and uh, not so much in the defence. Well, there are a couple of players obviously, but... Yeah, I, could, I, was, I couldn't really agree with Gordon there. Yeah, but but but, but the overall name, my guys point... The they have to bring in off the bench, like look, they're All-Ireland winners, you've got Nolan, Nolan and Mick Fitzsimons, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, Darren but, Nelson but my, the overall point would be that like what are the Dublin like if you're um, me this week like what are the Dublin weaknesses because you can't just say like they can't buy into the idea well this is a 40-45 minutes game or they can't buy into the idea that well this is Dublin and we're going to get beaten anyway they have to come up with some sort of a way to target some Dublin weaknesses what are well, they there are, well, well, there's, their, their full, full back, back line, line is, is isolated from time to time and every team will get goal opportunities against them and every team they've played over the last 18 months under Jim Gavin have had goal opportunities against Dublin and they haven't the only team to take them was Kerry and they almost beat them so that's I mean, Gordon said if he if he feels me can win the game they're going to have to get three goals and that's a big ask yeah. against Dublin the be- Dublin aren't the quickest starters they've been trailing at half time in, mm. in a lot of their recent championship games so if Mead can go in what would need to happen is Mead's be leading by a couple of points at half time well they led and then by they a couple get, of points last year and then they get their couple of goals directly yeah. after half time that, that's the scenario you paint, pick, painted a picture that is the scenario that Mead fans will need to see it's a difficult one to envisage happening Mead faded quite a lot over the closing stages against Kildare did, yeah. now the general analysis we had in the studio was ah game the way it flows every team is going to have their 50 minute spell and it just so happened that Kildare had theirs but watching it I was thinking if, if this Meath team aren't if, if, if there's a fitness issue with this Meath mm. team that they're not at the level of Dublin and Dublin have the players coming in you, you could again see Dublin rack up a huge so I don't know if it's a fitness issue minutes. I think Meath are a fit team it's just a case of that there isn't a huge amount between Kildare and Meath and when Meath, when when they were each going to have their purple patches Meath's which was immediately after half time was far better than Kildare's the old malaise that afflicts Kildare for the last I don't know how long kicked in they just started kicking the ball away and kicking the ball wide and if they'd taken half of those chances we would have had a draw I think so look it's just so hard to to come up with the argument for a Mead win and I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, look, I, I don't think there is, ultimately I think you have to make an argument for how Mead go about the game. I don't know if there's uh, an argument for them winning. They're talking this week as well about a lot of uh, stability and intensity that uh, the consistency of Mick O'Dowd is bringing that uh, uh, Riley, Kevin Riley was talking this week about that for the, maybe for the first time even since Sean Boylan was there in many ways that there's this great uh, consistency about them and that everybody's pulling in the right direction which is not something you often see. There's no see doubt about that. In counties. That is yeah. the case. Like I don't think we are talking about it in the context of Meath win but certainly about how they how they go about it. I mean quite clearly Dublin. Dublin, Dublin, Dublin. Uh, let's just quickly go back to Saturday. Uh, football qualifier Clare against Kildare. We've just been talking about Kildare. They had a, a good victory last weekend. Uh, probably a far more comfortable victory against Down than anybody predicted and Clare it's great that they get to this stage without a bit of patronising mm. You're just about to be, I'm but go just ahead. Just about yeah. to be, but Kildare are, are at a far higher level. Conor Deegan said actually he was watching that game and he gave some good analysis of down afterwards, kind of saying that they were, uh, they were pretty poor. And then I said to him, "Well, should give us another word in Kildare there." And uh, he said, "Like I said, like what have you got to offer Kildare fans?" And he said, "Not very much. They he wasn't impressed by them at all." Now, granted, they did beat down in Uri by a decent score as well. Um, but look, I think in many ways it's been it's been a good year for Clare already. They've beaten Waterford after that replay, gave Kerry a good game of it, the good win over Carlo as well, promotion from Division Three. 
and needless to say, Kildare are you know a bit more traditional when it comes to this. I think this is, like this will be their fifth championship game, which is. Unknown territory, yeah, unknown yeah, territory for, uh, for Clare. Five times. Again, we're, we're sort of wandering into the uh, patronising thing here. but Look, they're going to make it. Clare have good players. And I think some of the decision-making against Kerry actually cost them the chance of being in the game with 10 minutes to go. And they'll make Kildare work. Clare, Kildare will have to really put in a performance to get out of there, but they'll do enough, they'll win. Yeah, but Clare and Tipperary have since proven from the games against Cork and Kerry that it wasn't that Cork and Kerry weren't switched on yeah. it was actually Clare and Tipperary They're were good. better than we yeah. actually gave them some credit for uh, yeah, I'll go for Kildare as well and uh, the one game in the Hurling Championship the final qualifier Saturday evening at Nolan Park Waterford against Wexford a Wexford team who must be shattered presumably but because they've got the victory does the momentum and the confidence you gain we've, does that offset the, spo- just like, the fatigue? How, how many times have we spoken about this uh, during the year? Several times. But I was actually thinking about it today and my uh, latest thought on this whole situation is ultimately that it can't be a bad thing to have had a series of games, right? Ultimately, if you deal with everything properly from a fitness, fitness point of view and the mental uh, toll that it takes and all that sort of stuff. So ultimately, it's a question of how you deal with it. Like, there's no way it can be a bad thing for Wexford to have come through a series of games against last year's Ireland champions and to have played with some distinction. Obviously, now granted, there are many little sort of nuances within that and one of, them, one of the major ones is their inability to take scores, which would be a major worry for them, I would imagine, um, against Waterford or against anybody else for that matter. But the momentum thing has to be a good thing and then it's just a matter of ultimately how Liam Dunn harnesses all that. I can't see either of these teams beating Limerick in the quarter-final, but... Waterford season, having been relegated from Division 1, would probably be seen as a bit of a failure if they lose this match. Yeah, it would. It'll, and I think there's a bit of pressure coming on Derek. Um, Derek McGrath. Sorry, Derek McGrath. McGrath. He uh, started brilliantly in that game against Cork where they should have won and they were very disappointed with their performance in the replay. They walked past Leash pretty easily. Look, I remember the Waterford team in 2007. I thought they were the best team in the country that year. And they were clearly exhausted in the All-Ireland semi-final against Limerick. It was their fourth week in a row. They'd needed a replay to get past Cork. And Limerick just kept firing goals past them. And Waterford just didn't have it within themselves, within their lungs really, like, and in the legs to actually keep in the game. And that, that to me was proof that when you do get a run of games like that, it can go your way or it can go against you. You looked at the dubs last summer. Was it five matches in a row they played? Mm. Two against Wexford, two against Kilkenny. and one against Galway. It seemed to suit them down to the ground. So it's very hard to say either way it just depends on how you deal with it that's really well, the point like, it, it, it well, can't who, be a bad thing who used to thing. say that Waterford didn't deal with it properly and Dublin did it's sometimes well, because you're the just result, tired the result that's it I mean but it, it, that's exactly my point so it's a fitness thing it's how you prepare for it physically and mentally that's ultimately the point like but it can't be a could, bad thing can, to have had those bunch of games Liam Dunn can have his team he can do the, his utmost and do absolutely everything by the book this week and you could still see with twenty minutes to go, the lads are just absolutely. But it's not just exhausted. this week. That's really like it's 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 a philosophy of fitness, I suppose. In many ways, but like, how can it be? In like, if everything is right physically and you can get them in the right place mentally, how can it be a bad thing to have? Like, like well, I'm I, saying, I, it's a bad thing. But look, you're, you're these saying, guys I know, are amateur I know. players, but They're, there is no guarantee so that everything you, is right. Exactly. Of course, there isn't. But I'm just saying that that's the challenge. It's not like it's not that on the face of it, having played those games can in any way be a bad thing because it can't. It's just about how prepared you are from there. Okay, well, you say it can't in any way be a bad thing, but how different would your view on it be if they'd had a week to prepare, another week to prepare for this game? Yeah, like in an ideal situation, that 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 would be the ideal. So situation. this, so then but, this but, uh, situation isn't ideal. It's not. So it, and it makes the point even more. So how prepared? How prepared are they for well, it? They'll do everything they can. It's not just about this week. It's you about just don't how they've know. trained and everything else and what they're. 
Um, you know, like that Clare aspect of, you know, last year, they weren't particularly mad into um, going on the town and they seemed to have a good attitude to um, getting over these things mentally and physically and that obviously paid off for them. I think these two teams are very evenly matched on a, a, any given day without what's gone on over the last few weeks. And because I've seen Wexford over the last two, three weeks, I think they have enough about them to beat this Waterford team. It is just down to how much they'll have left in the legs with 20 minutes to go. Because you have to remember, three of their starting 15 have played two under-21 matches as well over the last two yeah. weeks. I think Wexford have shown a, the ability to create so many opportunities that if they can just improve their shooting, which at times was beyond crap. But mm. consistently like, so over the two games. Do you know what I mean? Like there wasn't over like, the, Because oh, we sat here last week and we said, oh, well, if Clare can just, if Wexford can just improve their ability to take some scores, well, sure, they'll, they, you know, they'll run away with this game. Yeah. But it was pretty much carbon copy in that respect. And if, that, if they do manage to do that, I think they could win on yeah, Saturday. Surely it's a good sign almost that they didn't improve that and still they managed to <laughs> win. Yeah. And they, the weird thing was they, hurt, they played their best hurling in extra time. When Claire, when Claire got their two men back onto the mm. field, it was a bit odd. So certainly fitness didn't look to be an issue at the back end of extra time last week. Well, but was that down to the fact that ultimately they, like Claire, had to play the majority of that game with 13 players? Well, a good large chunk of the game with 13 players. So they were just wrecked. Like granted, OK, they were getting the boost having the two players back in. But the 13 who had played were just so wrecked from having to do the yeah, work. Yeah, kind of helped. Two. They would have been a bit more tired. Mm. But I'm going to go tentatively for Wexford for this game. Yeah, tentatively as well. For Waterford, just I, I do think Wexford missed so many opportunities and because the games are coming so quickly, I don't think they really have much time to rectify that. Yeah, it's hard fix in a week. And Waterford have a lot of young players there who will be very fresh and when it comes down, as you say, to the last 20 minutes, I think maybe that's when Waterford will just sneak it by a couple of points. Have we all gone with the exact same teams up to this point? Yeah, maybe. No, we. No, I went for a draw in the Ulster yeah. final. All right. Well, I do fancy. I was going to sort of differ just for the sake of, uh, you know, well, a bit of a point of interest. He's gone for Wexford, and I've gone for Waterford. Oh, sorry. I thought you were leaning in on Wexford there. Um, I'm going for Wexford. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any other business? No. Just enjoy your weekend off. Oh, th- thanks. Where are you going to again? It's. Hey, Sober Lane in Cork, oh, guys. Yeah. Really great pub. I haven't been there yet. Next week on the podcast, I'll give a review. <laughs> In fact, I, that was part of the contract we signed that I must give them a very positive review on the podcast next week. And don't forget, all our GEA coverage on Off the Ball is with Liberty Insurance, proud sponsor of Hurling and Camogie. I thought we were, Camogie correspondent McIntyre. I thought we were going to have a big uh, conversation about the structures of the league. Yeah, we did. We came to an agreement. We had it in there. We've already wasted an hour. Maybe at some stage I should go and get on a train and get out of the uh, studio and spend less time right, with you. Right, go on. Enjoy. All right. But damn the game, if it don't mean nothing, what is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something. Up the game, if it ain't saying nothing.